the Podsky with John Baker. For over one year, the revolutionary force in audio entertainment. Hello and welcome to the Podski. I'm your host, the man of a thousand gimmicks, Johnny Bake Show, episode 76. And we are back to the Podski 100. After today, we will be halfway through the 100. So today is 60 through 51. Uh, we got the regular crew in here. We got uh, Teddy Mongoose and Justin Andretti, and JC will be joining us from a uh, gimmick location. Booker of the year. So, Suck it, uh, awesome week. So, uh, what's going on, boys? Well, did anybody else happen to buy anything from WWE shop on Black Friday? It used to be such an enjoyable experience whenever it was. It just- sure is it now? <laughs> well, you know, and really quick before before you sound off, uh, someone needs to tell me. Why? And I guess maybe it's because they're all just printed on demand and maybe that's the way that they save. I don't understand how that shop still has a hit row shirt for $20. Like that, that shirt needs to be four. And if it was four, I'd own it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And and that's the way that the WWE shop was for 15 years was that you just waited for the stupid shirts that had like uh, you know, big Deville energy and stuff like that on them, and then you just scoop them all up for three dollars and seventy five cents. It's a crying shame. All right, go ahead. You know, what else, you know what's crazy is that they did that big sale, and some of the some of the shirts just weren't on sale, like for, <laughs> for like no reason. There was like six shirts that just weren't on sale. Like why why was the why was the thank you Trish shirt not on sale? Why, like why was that one singled out out of all the shirts? I, I don't understand. That's incredible. Ever since they it's did so weird, since WWE switched over from the regular shop that we know originally the shop zone, then they switched to the shop, and now they're run by fanatics. It is the worst experience, shopping experience possible. Is the worst thing that has happened in WWE this turn of the century. It's it's <laughs> not awful. They've got rid of five dollar Fridays. They got rid of all of the good shit that we used to buy all the time. That would be like. You could buy a hundred things for three dollars each, and it would be perfect. And yeah. any of that now, because Fanatics is a bunch of money grumbling communists. Fanatics is awful, man. Like I, I've 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 uh, fallen victim to the uh, you know buying the Fanatics the Fanatics branded stuff, like a hat or a T-shirt or something, and it's terrible. terrible. It's just terrible. Well, what happened? Terrible quality. What's that? What happened to you on Black Friday? So I bought four shirts on black friday i got uh a really homoerotic sean michael shirt i got a becky lynch shirt i bought the zoe stark shirt and i got a dragon lee shirt and they i was excited and they all they came in the mail and the only thing that was the real size was the sean michael shirt all the other three were so small dude i i literally i i couldn't even i put them over my head and put my arms in and i was like if i pull this over my head i'm gonna i'm gonna freaking stretch this thing out so bad i can't even return it so i just put them back in the freaking box and shipped them off dude so i kept i kept one of them and had to get rid of three of them and got a refund on the other three 
It's unbelievable, dude. They were, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. Like, it, it, you know, it was like two sizes smaller than what it was supposed to be. It was unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I've had that experience before, uh, but that was when it was the shop. And like those retro tees are like, like the big tees. Like I'm wearing the uh, God's Chillin' Survivor Series shirt. And like, these are like the old 90s style shirts. Like they're not like the stretch fit, like those type ones. I don't want a stretch fit, dude. Oh, I want stretch fit, but these are. I don't want. I don't. I don't like anything touching me. So I, I want a. I want a big, a big shirt. I like these. I like these. Well, if it wasn't for the fact that this is like a retro shirt, like I, it wouldn't. It wouldn't work. But it does work since it is the retro shirt. Like it feels nostalgia. So yeah. So co- coincidentally enough, uh, Township also ordered two shirts off of the uh, Fanatics WWE store, and he mailed both of his shirts back the same day I did because he said it. He said it wasn't even close. It was like two sizes too small. So he he told me that um, he's under the impression that I don't know where he heard this, but he heard that they they don't have um, they don't have a defined source from where they get all their shirts anymore, and that they get them from different vendors. And for whatever reason, the sizes are way off. So it's you know it, it they, I mean, dude, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. Wow, that's terrible. That's a shame too, man. Because I, you know, I, you know, you guys know I, I'm, I'm a big supporter of women's wrestling and everything. And I really wanted the Zoe Stark shirt, and I really wanted the Becky Lynch shirt. And I, and I got him in the mail, and I was excited. And when I tried to put them on, I was like, "There's no way. There's no way." Uh that that sucks. Uh, speaking of things that don't suck, is last week's show we covered. Uh, Survivor Series, and we also did a little bit of AEW talk, so make sure you uh, check that out and listen to that. And we also had, uh, uh, obviously, we had the That's So Dolphins talk. Uh, today, we're going to be covering the 60 through 51, so if you are new to the show or new to the channel, make sure if you're watching us on YouTube, you download and subscribe, and if you're listening to us in podcasts that you uh, download, rate, review, and subscribe, head back to the archives to catch up uh, for 61 through 100. So, I did. I did get the uh, the stash pages. Abdullah the butcher, House of Ribs and Chinese food shirt that he put up, and That's that excellent. shirt is freaking awesome. Oh, That's really? Awesome. Yeah, I love stash pages. Shout out stash pages. We put them over a lot on this show. Shout out God's chilling. Uh, they they've got great. They got great. I'm literally wearing all. I'm literally wearing all. August. Oh, what was the link? What was the name of the place you sent today? The link. Uh, ooh, what Square a good question. Circle Squared Circle Classics, something like that. Yeah, they had a lot of good stuff on there. I, I, incredible, like late 80s, mid late 80s, early 90s retro tees, man. That modern day warrior Carrie Von Harry shirt is amazing. Yeah, yeah, there's some the gems superstar, on there. The superstar Billy Graham shirt where he's holding a tiger. It's insane. I had the, uh, I had the um, Cody Rhodes version of that a uh, couple of years ago. It, it got beat up and cut off and worked out in and everything else, but it was pretty awesome. It was Cody in that same exact stance, but the same font. And he was, um, instead of a tiger, he was uh, with Pharaoh. That's oh. a pretty, pretty sweet shirt. Love Pharaoh. Uh, but yeah. All right. So uh, getting into the 100, if you, uh, are catching up here you're looking on the screen right now on youtube sorry if you're uh, an audio platform but on the screen right now is 100 through 61 so if you've been following along or you want to go back to see what we said about those if you haven't heard uh please go back and listen to those in the archives 
Uh, but we got I this is probably our best set of 10 yet, and it's only gonna get better from here. These are gonna be absolutely more familiar faces that you've uh heard before. Um I mean some of them are even still going today, which makes it even better. So uh yeah, we got we can we'll just kick it right off with uh number 60 with 124 votes. He was on everybody's list. So we're, that's great. We're getting into those now, too. Uh, he came in on Andretti's list at 58. Came in Mongoose's list at 96. JC's list at 80. And mine at 46. And that is Arn Anderson, the enforcer himself. And I'll kick it off because he was the highest on my list. When when I think of Arn Anderson, like... Arn Anderson like set the standard for television championships. I feel like anytime you see a television championship, you instantly think of Arn Anderson. Um, and you know, kind of his I guess you kind of don't even really realize how long of a career he had, even though like it was like cut short, but it was still pretty long. Like he went deep into the 90s. Uh obviously had the, you know, uh you can have my spot with um the horseman and you know. He's still going today. He was really big producer uh, in WWE a few years ago. AEW and working. He was with uh, Cody whenever he had his TNT championship run there for a little bit. Uh, he was Glock Anderson, which is incredible that he's still able to get over uh, the absolute um, comfiest man on the planet whenever he's wearing those track suits ringside these days. Comfiest but- man in the planet stuffed into clothes that Andretti said that he would never wear. Dude, so snug, snug fitting stretchy literally the antithesis of uh the and the andretti experience i mean just the you think about arn anderson just being ageless right i mean you watch those promos from him from like the late 80s early 90s and he looks exactly the same for 25 years oh, hey it looks exactly like he did back then right now except only he's about 30 pounds heavier <laughs> it's incredible i mean the guy has a very long uh, he was now, he, I guess you could look at him and say like, he was kind of a career tag guy cause he was with Tully, but he had great championship runs as the, uh, NWA and WCW world television champion. And, absolutely. um, I feel that, you know, he absolutely, he's super high on my list. He's definitely higher than anybody else's here. So, uh, I, I love Arn, a b- very believable, uh, good, hard working worker and, Nobody makes a spine buster look the way that Arn Anderson did. And I think I think too the 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 um the big thing for me with him is just the believability with him and how he was so serious and came across so honestly, you know, when he did promos, just an unbelievable guy, man. Like it, he he had to be a major inspiration for everybody that came after him in terms of being on the mic. I mean, that guy was just he was so believable and so just you know, right to the chase and, and going to, you know, cut your throat and everything else. I mean, it was unbelievable. So, I mean, I, I think just from a mic work standpoint alone, even though he is a fantastic worker in the ring, just from a mic work standpoint alone, I think he's one of the greatest of all time. I have him, I have him the lowest of anybody. And the reason why is the sort of the disclaimer thing that John threw out before is that I, I have him as a tag guy, you know, like I think of all of his best stuff as tag stuff, um, which is great tag stuff. And the cool thing with me is my introduction to Arn actually was like, I didn't really know what four horsemen were. It was when he was in the dangerous Alliance 
And the Dangerous Alliance was awesome, man. When him and Zabisco were the enforcers. Dude, that was um, one of the best, one of the most underrated tag teams ever. Those guys were amazing together. It was absolutely awesome. And then that stable, uh, who do we got? You have Austin, Rude. Um, was it Missy Hyde or Medusa? Which one, which, which, which girl was there? And it was Medusa. I, this is an all-star stable. I'm just going to read it off. I just have it on Wikipedia in front of me. Paul E. Uh, as the head of it, obviously. Arn, Bobby Eaton, Larry Zabisco, Medusa, Michael P.S. Hayes, Rick Rude, Steve Austin. Dude, that is, that, that is murderer's row right there. That is excellent. And that's where I got exposed to Ron, or to Ron, to Arn, um, was, was as a tag with Zabisco and in that group. Um, and so, you know, I was right out of the gate. I thought that he was awesome. Um, following that, I was a huge fan. John, thank you for putting over the TV title stuff. Um, the three things, when I because I was trying to think of Arn as a single, like what can I talk about? Yeah. And uh, three opponents that I got, um, I think my favorite few might have been Lord Stephen Regal. Uh, I don't remember the year. Probably, obviously, would have been somewhere between like 93, 95. And then Johnny B. Bad and uh, Alex Wright. Like, that was an awesome little stable of um, of TV championship, you know, guys. Uh, so, yes, I, for that reason, and because he's an iconic character, he needed to be in my top 100. Um, I just have I have him lower because my favorite Arn is tagging Arn. You know, that's all. Yeah, I'm, when I look back at it and I saw that, that I put Kofi Kingston in the top 100, I was kind of like, you know, he's probably a tag guy too, you know, when it's all said and done. But the guy had a hell of a run as a singles guy. And I, and I just, I figured Arn was kind of the same the same vein as that where, yeah, he had, you know, he had a great a great tag team run too. But um, he also had a great singles run and he was so good on the microphone that, you know, even, even without the tag team stuff on the mic, he was unbelievable. So I think he's... I think he's very deserving of being on the on the on the on the list for sure. Yeah, some actual- you know, I, I was speaking of the tag team stuff real quick. I, I didn't know that uh I never knew that him and Oli never had a WCW um tag team title run. And it was just it, he they, they had the NWA national tag team uh titles, but they were never the they were never WCW tag champs. I thought that they were at the very beginning of WCW, but I guess not. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't have thought that either, actually. I, I would have totally not even had that right either. So, yeah, it's so a Jim Crockett uh, in NCAA, or NCAA <laughs> WCW. He was the uh, he was with Paul Roma. Um, he was, was only like you mentioned, the national team was a great team. That was a great team, too. Uh, that, but, was, that was the John, that was the team. The um, you know, the the spray paint or the uh, airbrushed four horsemen shirt on stash pages. Yes, yes, that that was that was Paul Roma and Arn's gear. Oh my gosh! Ring, they I mean, have, you, like, you guys know I'm a big. I'm a Paul Roma mark and always have been, man. I, I I've always thought that guy was super underrated and was a pretty good talent. I don't know why people, you know, trash on him and may, you know maybe he's not the right fit for the Horseman or whatever. But I mean, I I thought I've always thought Paul Roma was super underrated. I like I like that guy. Side note, but when we eventually get to best gears, a show, any gear that is airbrushed instantly gets plus five. So I just want that to get out there. Uh, but, but yeah, he teamed, he tagged with uh, Tully, Zabisco, Eaton, and Roma. They were uh, NWA Mid-Atlantic uh, or WCW World Tag Team Champions. And him and uh, Zabisco won the tag uh, championship tournament in 91. And uh, 
I mean, he was also WWF tag team champion one time with Tully. Uh, was Hall of Fame in 2012 with the Horsemen. Uh, and then as far as uh, Observer, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but he is, he won best interviews uh, in 1990. Uh, and then of note, and a lot of people would say that this is the worst uh, worked match of the year 1996, but I think that we could all agree that the uh, Tower of Doom match from Uncensored 96 is one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Yep, yep not just matches, things. Yes. Uh, oh, and then one final uh, accomplishment for Arn is that he won the uh, Lifetime Achievement, the Luthes Award for the Cauliflower Iron Club in uh, 2016. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 an awesome one because that's your that's your peers, you know that that, that your peers vote on that. So good for him. Arn Anderson to me is one of those guys who was born just a couple years too late. Uh, it's always been said that he would have been an excellent NWA <clears throat> world, you know, like the traveling champion model. Uh, he, he came into the business at a time where it was starting to change and. Uh, while he was one of the best promos, he was a great worker. He was believable. He never really got to that top guy status. And I think part of that was because of his look um, and the guys around him. Like when you're in the time with flair and things like that, you're, it, you're not going to get to you know, in a different era. Um, but that's not to say he didn't do great things as a single. Um, he did plenty of very believable angles. Um, you know, was a TV champion, uh, worked with Dusty in that regard, uh, member of the Horsemen, Dangerous Alliance. Um, yeah, he was excellent, um, continued to be excellent until he was forced to retire. Uh, now, thing, and he was a very excellent on-air talent when he was with Cody at the time as well. So, yeah, Arn had a great career. Okay, we got number 59. 129 votes. He did not make it on to Andretti's list, but he was on Mongoose's list at 64. He was on JC's at 57. And then again, somebody who was the highest on my list at 53 uh, is Jeff Hardy. So Jeff Hardy for like, he was enormous whenever I was coming up. So like Jeff Hardy was the dude. And I can't, there, there's been so many swanton bombs that have been hit on a trampoline that I've done that I still can do to this day, you know, little, uh, little shout out, little pat on the back ski for that. Um, but Jeff Hardy and, and his charisma, like his, that was early 2000 singles run was incredible. Now we all know like Jeff Hardy can technically kind of be considered a, I guess a lot of people would look at him as a career tag guy because of the hard. Yeah, he had he had big runs and singles matches even in even in, even in WWE. Right, and like the early, very much the he was very much the he was very much the front man of of you know what I mean? of that of that tag too. Like he stood out more, I think. So yeah, more star power. Totally agree. I mean, uh, you talk about a self-made guy, man. I mean, him and him and Matt were him and Matt Hardy's brother were were just tiny jobbers who just wild everybody in the back dude 
they got opportunities to just go out there and get killed. And they would get out there and get killed when they were the Hardy Boys before they even had a gimmick. And they just, they just, they got themselves over, dude, with everybody in the back and they got hired. And you think about when they got hired at that time. I mean, there was very few people their size um, that were getting opportunities in the WWE. I mean, that's pretty impressive that they, that they were able to do that. Yeah, it really is impressive. Um, I think that what one an athlete, I mean, what an athlete, this guy, right? Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. And like still going today can still get after it. Maybe not at the rate that obviously the rate that he could once do it as, but, um, one of the things that I remember as a kid watching was that ladder match that he had on raw with undertaker. And I can't remember if it was 2002 or 2003, but that match is incredible. I encourage everyone to go out and find that, um, that undertaker Jeff Hardy match. It was on a raw and it was a ladder match. It was absolutely insanity. Um, hilarious is that I watched that show with Andretti at the Graz's den and I'm fairly certain that all we did was complain for the whole 20 minutes that both these guys suck. Like, like I, like you're, I know that that match is, is, you know, it has stood the test of time. Right. And that's like his, one of his King making moments for whenever, you know, they sort of were seeing, can we dip our toe in him being the next guy? And I'm fairly certain because that was ABA taker. And that was just, wasting time on our screen and uh and then they brought jeff hardy out and we were like man an old loser and a nerd you know total joe Joe bear aba undertaker is the best undertaker and i think i'm he's he's aged so well but god i didn't i wasn't a fan i was not a fan then at the time no but now in retrospect i love it yeah um yeah and then you know hardy really whenever he he, I mean, he left the company. Obviously, he's had a lot of demons. We all know that. There's still problems to this day. Um, but you know, he came back to WWE, had those uh, World Heavyweight WWE Championship runs that were really, really good. That a lot of people. Th- that's whenever I left wrestling, and I kind of wish I never did because, like, that's some really great shit that he did. But I think that what a lot of people can remember is this TNA run that they recently had with. Boy, impact or whatever, but it was whenever you know they were doing the whole deletion gimmick with Matt, and then Brother Nero was there too, and they had all of that kind of crazy stuff with all the cinematic matches, and it's and with Willow as well, like his alter ego that he did in the early 2010s. Like he he's got a lot of really great single stuff that can like not a lot of people can remember because it wasn't you know always in our face with WWE programming. Sure. I think that when I was doing my 100, he was one of the guys that was really close to the bottom. Like he, he was one of the guys that was in like the 101 to 105 for me. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember not getting him in at like 99 or 100 because I knew that the rest of you guys were going to put him on your list. So I kind of just gave the love to other people at that point. But I mean, that's the only explanation I can think of as to why I didn't put him in. But, um, I mean, look, man, it's, you, this guy is is super creative. I mean, in, inside the ring and out, what he's done in the ring is is unbelievable. You know, just from a creativity standpoint and, a, and an athleticism standpoint, and now outside the ring too. You know, he's he's probably um, Jeff Hardy. I bet you is is somebody that um, is probably really good at everything he tries, whether it's some kind of you know artistic vein, uh, vein or or in the ring or or whatever he does. He, he's just one of those people that. Seems like he's probably pretty good at everything he, he attempts. 
um, for the most part, you know, so, and I, and I think that's really a testament to him. You know, it's, you know, look, the guy, the guy was in his own way a lot, you know, for his career. Um, hopefully he'll, he'll get it together and he's got it together now and things are going good, I hope. But, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to, to keep working for another couple of years, man, because when he's in the ring, he does really special stuff and it's really fun to see. Jeff Hardy now will be Darby Allen in 15 years if Darby makes it 15 more years in the ring. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's that he sort of he sort of was the uh, he was the roadmap for that type of insane you know i will i i'm fearless i will take any bump i will do any spot um you know it's all for the glory right uh and you know the the things that whenever i think of jeff hardy um the stuff that sticks out to me is obviously the the tlc matches right like those right away um the matches with the young box especially the latter matches were fantastic uh, and I had him on the list because, again, I sort I sort of saw him as the um, you know as the front man of that tag team. Um, and I can't deny every single time that I've ever seen Jeff Hardy post two thousand four come out, he gets an insane reaction um, every time he rips the the fishnet shirt off. You know, all the girls scream. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got it. He's very charismatic, the charismatic enigma. Um, he's, he's good, man. And he, he, he set the, the, the standard for many, many, many that will follow after him. And so I think he has a worthy spot where he's at. Sure. Yeah, some uh, accolades here for Jeff Hardy, uh, for the observer side, he was best flying wrestler of 2000. He had feud of the year in 2009 with CM Punk. Uh, and then some of the other bad ones. He had most disgusting promotional tactic in, wor- in 2008, and then he had worst worked match of the year. Uh, but his WWE stuff is legendary. He's got uh, one, he was one time WWE champion, two time world heavyweight champion, five time intercontinental champion, European champion, United States champion, three time hardcore champion. He also, he's went to Slammies. He was the 18th Triple Crown champion. Uh, obviously won the world. Man, that's a lot of stuff, man. That's yeah, a lot of stuff. There's so much stuff. That's you think about the, he had a honest, really quick, honest to God, I didn't know that he was the triple crown. I, I, I didn't, that didn't even register. So right. I'm even happier. I'm even happier that, that he is where he is now. Good for him. And you know, people, I know, it, I don't know what it is, but like, it, it's, it's sometimes it's tough to even kind of know about what people did in TNA for whatever reason, but that guy had a hell of a run in TNA too, man, for a while. He's just as decorated in TNA, but he was three-time world heavyweight champion, two-time tag team champion. Uh, I mean, he's he's got it all bound for, he won the bound for glory seasons, race uh, race for the case, TNA World Cup two-time, yeah. uh, TNA rest of the year. Like, he he did just as much in in TNA. Also won ROH World uh, Tag Team Championship once with, uh, with his brother Hardy. So, it, it's... He's literally got so many accolades that it's deep, and yeah, it is glad that he made it on the list. Jeff Hardy to me is um, a case of the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. The guy had charisma, has charisma out the wazoo. He's an absolute spectacle when he's in the ring. You never know what to expect. He's creative as all get out. Um, and when he was on top, he was top tier. And when he's on. He's, you know, incredibly entertaining. Um, 
He's maybe not a technical worker, and he's maybe not the best promo ever, um, but he's just absolutely, you know, the kind of guy you want as a spectacle. Um, you know, he was a TNA champion, a WWE champion, a world heavyweight champion, um, and some of that gets overshadowed by the negatives, and you can't talk about Jeff without talking about the negatives, but he seems to have righted the ship again, and that's wonderful to see because you don't want to see a guy like him who is successful and who is always very popular um, you know, be be down and out for too long. So uh, definitely a, a story of the highest of highs and lowest of lows, but he's sort of righted the ship and seems like he's kind of getting it now. So I hope that's the case, and I hope it stays that way. But yeah, Jeff Hardy is Absolutely one of the top 100 of all time. All right. And uh, 58. Coming in with 131 votes. Did not make it on Andretti's list. Made it on Mongoose's list. The highest here. 36. He was on JC's list at 88. And he was on my list at 48. And that is one Will Ospreay. I, I just figured it wasn't wasn't ready for it yet i just to put him into a top 100 i didn't think you i didn't think it was time yet to do it but again we talked about this before if we're going to do this list again in two years or three years or whatever it is is osprey going to be on my list of course he will be you know i just thought it was too early yeah for me um he was he was one of the exceptions that i made uh for the hall of fame guys because he's an observer hall of famer the second that he's eligible for it um, he has the most five-star matches uh, of anyone. Like you, every, when we go through this list and we say, oh my gosh, these matches, oh my gosh, these matches, he's he's had more of them than everybody. And he's 30 or 31 or whatever it is. Like that's, that's something. He went from being a, uh, like a skinny high flyer to a, you know, muscular world champion looking built guy that can still fly, but changed his style so that now he'll have longevity so that he's not, you know, breaking in half whenever he's 35 years old. Um, and he had uh, two of the most incredible matches that I've ever seen this year with Kenny Omega. He had one of the best uh, G1 semifinal matches you'll ever see with uh, Tetsuya Naito. Um, the matches with Shingo Takagi are out of this world. Taichi. Uh, Taichi, the and dude, he that junior heavyweight run um, where him, where Marty, uh, he wrestled Marty Scroll all those times and he couldn't beat Marty. That's great stuff. Um, great matches with Kota Ibushi. And I know that everybody that I'm saying is a great worker themselves. Uh, but this guy's and he's on another level, man. He's so good. And I'm so excited that we're going to have the opportunity to see him on a regular basis on American television. And yeah, I, I, I would assume the way that we thought that Cody was brought in at WrestleMania to win the belt at the next WrestleMania. Um, this actually is like, if, if he's not crowned uh, at Wembley this year, then what are we doing? Right? Like it, and the fact that they already have the, the advance that they do for that show um, speaks to 
what he's built there, right? Uh, he also he goes back he goes back and does uh, Rev Pro shows. Um, like he's he's somebody that didn't forget where he came from. Um, he was loyal to Japan for something like eight years or whatever it was. Um, simply be, simply because they were the ones that gave him a shot, right? Um, it's he's he's awesome, man. He's so good and. He for me, he was instantly top 50 because of the year that he's had so far stacked on to everything else. The other thing we need to remember is that, you know, this guy right now is and I'm saying from stuff that I've actually seen, you know, we're talking like seven years deep, you know, so that's a, it's a it's a true career um, and it's only really, really heating up like he's entering his quote unquote prime uh, and he's he's on another level. And the fact that. You know, whenever I was looking at everything and you want to look at, you know, in ring, you want to look at look all those other things. Is the gimmick the best in the world? No, it isn't. You know, whenever he was doing the um, like the the video game assassin kind of deal or whatever, it's a little hokey. But look, man, he made it work. Um, And now whenever he has that music play, uh, you know, the pops that he gets for that are awesome. And I love when that kind of stuff happens, too. Um, He started the uh, United Empire faction. Uh, which was, you know, we got introduced to Great Khan. Thank you, Will Ospreay, uh, through that. Like th- this guy's, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of of where I put him. Um, and if that, you know, helped to elevate him further, uh, then good because I think that the dude deserves it. So thank you, Will. Uh, look, there's there's nobody who had a better year this year for, for, than, than that guy. I mean, he's he probably is the number one male wrestler in the world, you know, it, it, from an in-ring standpoint. Um, and I, you know, look, if you're listening to this and you think I'm down on Osprey because I didn't put him in, just wait till the award show and you're going to find out how much we really appreciate this guy's work. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up Mongoose about his longevity that he's already had in the business because i remember the very very first time we ever saw will osprey was that match that he had with ricochet and ricochet ascended but osprey it took a little time and he really like took it upon himself during covid to you know put weight on and he became a legitimate he became a legitimate like heavyweight during well, look, think, think about what he did for himself i mean he put himself in a position to be the number one free agent and, and get into a humongous bidding war between the WWE and AEW. So right. that, I mean, that's right there, man. I mean, when you've got, when you've got WWE throwing a ton of money and you've got Tony Khan throwing a ton of money, I mean, you're, you're in a position to be that guy. I mean, that's that right there should tell you a lot about who this person is. Really quick. He's 30 years old. Right. He's my like that. He's 30 years old, man. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and, and also I do want to say too, before you read through the accolades and give your, give your thoughts there, John, um, another thing to put him over, uh, he was, he was a chosen dude to be the IWGP, uh, champion. Well, I guess, yes, the IWGP champion and, you know, got hurt. It was the neck injury or whatever that was. And he had to take time off and, you know, that sort of train wreck they're booking for a while, but you know, they saw it and they were, they were ready to run with him. So yeah, he's, he's that guy. Yeah, and and you literally hit everything on the head that I was going to say about Osprey. He's literally just now hitting his stride and hitting his, hitting his prime, and all of this. And he has the most he has the most five star matches in the Observer, if I'm not correct, right? Yeah, yeah. He passed um, Masawa this year. Masawa. Yeah, and he has 
already he was the best flying wrestler from two, 2016 to 2019. Uh, best wrestling maneuver in 19 and uh, 2022 with a Stormbreaker the first time, Hidden Blade with the second one. Europe MVP, non-heavyweight MVP, most outstanding wrestler in 19 and 22. Match of the year in 1922, and he's probably going to get it again this year with Omega. And, you know, as we mentioned before, too, with his uh, New Japan stuff, he was IWGP World Heavyweight Champion one time. He was United States Champion two times. He is currently still the uh, U.S. Heavyweight Champion. Junior Heavyweight Champion three times. Never Openweight Champion. I mean, the guy is very decorated in everything outside of mainstream United States wrestling, and he will be fully decorated by the time he's done, I have no doubt. Well, I mean, look, it's like you said, Mongoose, when, when we, when, if we're talking about Wembley, um, it's got to be Osprey is champ, dude. He's got to, he's got to come out of Wembley is the, is the freaking champ. I mean, if it, if they're, if the rumors are true that they're moving towards more of an in-ring product and less, um, less storytelling and stuff like that, kind of similar to, to what you see in New Japan, um, if that's the truth, then Osprey needs to be the face of your company. Him yeah. and MJF should kill each other for the next 20 years. Yes. Yeah, and uh, the Keep one on. thing that the one thing I do need to say is when you mentioned about the you know probably going to get match of the year, do not be surprised if he's three of the top five and probably six of the top ten. Like yeah, I think if, that uh, the um, the Omega match at at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, okay, let let's just pause right there and think about that. So Wrestle Kingdom is what January fourth every year. It's right, really, is that the fourth or the seventh or something like that? The, yeah, we're, January fourth. We're talking about four days into the new year. That match took place and was match of the year. Yep, for three hundred and sixty-one days after that, dude. That I mean, that, that's in, in, it's in, so impressive to think about that. I mean, that I think that the uh, the Omega match for me is probably going to end up getting uh, match of the year vote for me when we do the awards. But um, I think my favorite match. From him is the Tai Chi match, man. That Tai Chi match is is phenomenal. So Will Osprey, I mean, what can you say? What what can you say about the man? The the in ring skills and the spectacle of what he can do physically in the ring is absolutely insane. Uh, obviously, one of the best workers in the world for a while now. Uh, just athletic feats that you just you you, you have to see it to believe it. Um, it's it's just so much innovation. What he does looks incredible. Uh, it, you have to watch it and see it. And when he's in and he's on a top draw match, you can't miss it. It's going to be entertaining. Um, been a top guy in New Japan, held the gold, um, that kind of stuff. They, right now, he's the they renamed it for him the UK um, champion, but. Yeah, uh, Rev Pro. He's it, it, when you see a match with him, you're gonna be entertained and you're gonna just be blown away by what he can do in the ring. And um, more currently, I'm really looking forward to what he's gonna do in AEW um, with a little bit lighter of a schedule where he's not gonna put so much wear and tear on himself as he did in New Japan. So I'm really looking to see, uh, looking forward to seeing what he does in that regard and. Um, how things go with him there. I think there's some wild matchups there. If, if they can time it up with Brian Danielson, that ought to be a heck of a show. You can you know that anything, anytime he and Kenny Omega are in the ring together, it's 
an insane an insane display so um but there's all kinds of matchups there that should just be incredibly entertaining for years so i'm really looking forward to that as well all right well moving on to number 57 on the countdown he came in with 146 votes again did not make andretti's list hard to get on this list here uh, he came in on Mongoose's list at 28. So that's probably the highest we've seen anybody on the list so far. Uh, came in at JC's list at 67 and mine at 62. And that is Shinsuke Nakamura. So Mongoose, I'll let you uh, run with that. So Shinsuke is so high on mine by uh, default of the Observer Hall of Fame rule. So that, that automatically put him over... You know, a lot of guys, your and your Arn Andersons and Lex Luger's and some of those that we've talked about today, and then you know greats uh, that we've already talked about before. Um, and the reason that I had him so high was uh, not only what I was able to see, but then what I was able to go back and see. This dude's awesome. All right, he is. He's as charismatic as they come. Um, when Shinsuke is ready to work, uh, he's. You know, not I don't want to say impossible to keep up with, but he's one of those that he'll run all over the ring, you know, killing you to death with strikes. Um, I love his his entrance. Um, that that WWE NXT, uh, you know, that whole oh, you know what I mean? Like it's so great, man. Um, dude won a Royal Rumble. Uh, I was never as excited for a WrestleMania match in recent history as I was for that uh, match with AJ Styles. Um, and man, did they just book that right into the pooper? They, you know, it, like it, they took they took what could have been a you know monumental. We're going to show highlights of this for years and years, and they just had Shinsuke. They literally had an entire feud with him kicking a guy in a dick over and over again. Um, this recent history now, I do like the Shinsuke resurgence a lot. Um, I don't fault him basically for the probably from like 2020 through 22, um, simply because he was either injured or not being used. And part of the reason that he came here in the first place uh, was to not go and kill himself every night, you know, getting kicked and doing the kicking over and over again, especially when you get into like G1 time and all that, you know, he paid his dues and he deserved to get paid and have fun and surf and do all those other things that he likes to do. So good for him, man. By all accounts, he's a very happy guy over here. And so I'm not going to fault him for that. And the fact that they, you know, sort of unleashed him again. And I was ready for him to beat Seth for that title. Um, this match, this little feud. I thought he was going to. I thought he yeah, was going to do it. Yep. And this little mini feud with Cody now, that's great, man. He's, he's featured in a spot where he absolutely should be, which is the guy that is an absolutely credible guy that will give your champions or your title contenders or whatever a heck of a feud in a great match or two or three. And he doesn't need to win because, you know, his, he, he's, he's sort of, He's reached his crescendo. Um, but yeah, he's an all-timer, man. He's awesome. Yeah, my introduction to Nakamura was through NXT. And I loved th that initial NXT run. We've talked about it a lot here on the show. That's the that's some of the best wrestling that's been around in years. And it's really hard to beat. And 
I, I I love that NXT. I don't think anything can like ever replace that kind of because that's what kind of got me back into watching wrestling again. Um, but yeah, I, I love Nakamura. I love I again I love the resurgence. I love the fact that we're getting something with Cody here, like right before uh Royal Rumble. I'm really excited to see what they do for him for WrestleMania this year, especially with Triple H at the helm again. And you know, he's a triple H guy. So I don't see him going away like he did before. So um yeah, do you have anything? Andretti? I mean, the only thing I really had was just that I, I kind of got introduced to him, too, through the NXT run because I, I knew the name for a long time with, with the New Japan stuff. Um, but that was kind of like right at the beginning of me investigating the New Japan. You know, maybe, honestly, man, maybe he was he might have kind of been the catalyst for me to go back and start looking at that stuff. Because when he came into NXT, I liked him a lot right away because of the entrance and just the he was just such a unique character, right? I mean, just with the the body movements and everything. And, and I, I, man, I, I kind of figured right away that that was a Triple H hire to bring him in, and that Vince was gonna not gonna know what to do with that guy. I, I, I just I had that as soon as I saw that guy show up in NXT, I was like, they're gonna pull him up to the main roster eventually, and they're not gonna do a damn thing with him because Vince is gonna be like, I don't understand who this person is, right? And that's kind of what happened to him for a while. But he probably was the reason why um, I started going back and checking out some of the New Japan stuff. And like, and look, I knew the names. Of, I knew who Okada was and everything. But um, I think seeing Nakamura in NXT for that first run was probably the catalyst for me going and really getting invested in New Japan. Yeah, and, and an incredibly decorated wrestler and like uh, and this is what a lot of people have no idea like he ha he's super decorated in New Japan Pro Wrestling like he won the World Heavyweight Championship over there three times he was Intercontinental Champion five times Tag Team Champion uh New Japan Cup winner G1 winner from 2011 uh won the Tag League in 2006 with Masahiro Chono who was another entrant on this list earlier um you know he in WWE he's two-time NXT champion two-time Intercontinental Champion uh, two-time United States champion, won a SmackDown championship. Again, like you mentioned, um, Mongoose, he won the Royal Rumble in 2018. I mean, he's super decorated. And uh, he well, the, the, look, the, the Tokyo Sports Awards are a big deal, too. You know, so he got um, best, you know, best bout with Obushi from 2013, best bout award with, with Okada from 2014, rookie of the year 2003. I mean, those are those are a big deal. The Tokyo Sports Awards are a big deal. Yeah. And he uh, also got uh, he, he was a Hall of Fame, entered into the uh, Observer Hall of Fame in 2015, wrestler of the year in 2014, uh, match of the year in 15 with Kota Ibushi. Uh, and most charismatic in 14 and 15. So uh, incredibly, de another decor very well decorated representative here on the list. Shinsuke Nakamura is someone that I'm really excited for in 2023 going into 2024. Um, and that's not just, you know, because of what he's doing right now in, in WWE, but to go back and look and see what he has done over the years. Uh, I mean, the list of accolades, three-time IWGP heavyweight champion, longest reigning champion, uh, IC champion uh, in New Japan. Uh, one of the three new musketeers was Shibata and Tanahashi. He main evented a Wrestle Kingdom, you know, with the IC title as him and Tanahashi. He, that feud and his work at that time elevated the in, intercontinental title in New Japan to the same status as the heavyweight title where people were genuinely like, 
these are on the same par, which is an incredible feat. Um, he came over uh, after, you know, after a while, was the NXT champion, IC champion, US champion in WWE. Um, and then he kind of went and f- was floundering because I don't think the regime at the time in WWE knew what to do with him. Um, but in 2023, here towards the end, he's gotten, you know, some lifeblood back in him being a, a you know, a, a heel and um, kind of a spooky, scary, you know, don't know what he's going to do, cold, calculating. And it started with Seth. Um, and I thought it was a great feud with Seth. Uh, maybe ran a little bit long, but that's not his fault. He played his part well. And when they started doing the pre-recorded um the pre-recorded promos with him, um, I think that really unlocked something uh, to get over the language barrier. And I, it feels like it can be sort of um, overdone, uh, which I think is a tiny bit of what they're running into now um, with Cody. It feels a little overdone. The story's good, so I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, but the mechanics of how it's displayed every week, if we just keep doing the promos and stuff. But um, overall, I really, I'm I'm excited for what he was, and I'm excited for what he gets to be now in WWE again. And I hope at some point they actually legitimize him with a world heavyweight title so that they can use him more as an every once in a while spectacle, especially as he ages a little bit. So um, that would be really cool to see. But yeah, uh, Nakamura, awesome. All right, coming in at 56 with 147 votes. He was on all four of our lists. He was on Andretti's list at 60. He's on Mongoose's list at 51. He was on JC's list at 70 and my list at 76. And that is The Natural, Dustin Rhodes. So looking at those scores right there for the four of us, is that the tightest and the closest we've been yet on somebody? It feels like it, yeah. Like we all pretty much pretty much the same spot in our list. Yeah, 60, 51, 70, 76 is, is really tight. Mm-hmm. I yeah, he, it has to be. And you know, for for Dustin, for me, I didn't I I mean to me he he's gold dust. I think he's kind of like that for most people. Uh, but for me, the it's the early two thousands Gold Dust with Booker T. Booker T. and Gold Dust is probably some of my is my favorite tag team gimmick work. And um, but yeah, it it I don't I, I did go back and watch a lot of that new gen stuff, and that's where he got his footing in WWE that we all know. And then he was the natural in WCW. But some of the work that he did there early, like my favorite match that we've already talked about here on the show, is. That Cody and Dustin match from all uh, Double or Nothing 2019, the very first show, that's my favorite wrestling match of all time. And that match is incredible. And it's showed that a guy like him outside of WWE, like he could like legitimately go. And everyone always said that Dustin was an incredible worker and he like put it on full display that night. That's a match that both of them went to Vince to try to get at a WrestleMania, and Vince flat out told them that's not a WrestleMania match. And I don't understand. I mean, how did he? How did Vince not understand that they were siblings? And even if you didn't think that that they were the best workers in the world, like that's very much a WWE gimmick where they would where they would put those guys Jeff, together. Jeff and Matt Hardy. 
Marty did it. Edging Christian did it. <laughs> like, and, you know, sure, they're not brothers, but... how many times do we break up a tag team? Yeah. Have, you know what I mean? Like I, I, that's, it, it's very strange to me that Vince didn't want to do that. It's insanely strange. Um, and you know, the, a lot of, some of the stuff I know a lot of people don't like whenever he did the whole electrocuted gimmick, but that, that he did for him to, he's been cast in a lot of really shitty gimmicks that he's made incredibly good. And I think that says a lot about him. Well, I know you're, you're a big mark for the Booker T stuff, right? Oh, I love the Booker T stuff. And he's doing the whole, like the, the Darth Vader stuff. And then uh, they did the Steve Irwin stuff like backstage, like trying to catch an NWO member and they caught X-Pac. Like that stuff is so good. Oh, it's so good. There's a skit where they go to 7-Eleven. That's absolutely awesome too, (laughs) where he has on like a sideways hat and like a, uh, like a, like a New York Knicks Charlie Ward jersey or something like that. Yeah, this, he's he's great. It's, well, you know, uh, he was he's a hell of a singer too. You can ask anybody that was on that plane that night. <laughs> a hell of a singer. A hell a hell of a uh, just a uh, he's a he's a a lover at heart. That guy. I was just gonna say, but so if it's if it's to a lady, what it was a serenader, a crooner. Well, how would you put that? <laughs> <laughs> so I got um I got exposed to um to Dustin uh Runnels, Dustin Rhodes through um just the early WCW NWA stuff. And you know, and, and it was he was he was a young guy that was tall and, and kind of skinny. Um and it, you know, watching that stuff growing up, it a lot of people would say that he was only there because of his dad, right? Because of Dusty. And I think at first I wasn't a real big fan of him because of that. I kind of bought into that too. But going back and, and watching um, a lot of this, the early stuff from him as the natural, I mean, not only is the song unbelievable, like the entrance song was unbelievable. That was one of the things that I had for him. Uh, call oh, him good. a natural, natural, <laughs> natural I, I, me. I, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna start coming out to that whenever I walk into a room. I, I, that's gonna be the song I'm gonna play. But but. Uh, um, Going back and watching that stuff, man, you know, it, he's definitely a little raw, you know, but I don't think that it was to the point where he was only there because of his dad. He he knew what the hell he was doing. And he got he got pretty damn good pretty quick, man, that guy. My that's my my stuff starts with him as the natural, same as you did, and in in the mix with that like dangerous alliance kind of crew, you know, one of the one of the sort of the 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 baby face, uh, you know. I th- but don't don't get me wrong. Was it like him, Steamboats? Um, can't remember who else would have been there. But it would have started there, and then we go back to that TV title. Um, the dude was great. Uh, that the WCW run. I was a, I always was a fan. Again, the song really really was big. It was a big deal. Um, in ring work was always good. Uh, he was an easy guy to like, you know, he sure, really was. Sure. And it was not only was he just like, he was a tall, skinnier guy. Like you said, like he looked, he looked like anybody's dad does at the beach. Right. You know what I mean? Like maybe I work out, maybe I don't, or maybe I used to, you know what I mean? Like, um, but he could go uh, and, you know, believability was great, you know, always a good worker. And then that um, he, he's in one of my, uh, we just talked about that tower of terror match or whatever uh, that match with uh blacktop bully, where they uh, bleed all over a, a driving truck is one of the most incredible things that you're ever going to see. Um, They're throwing hay bales at each other. <laughs> yeah, and and the crazy thing is uh, that match is what got him uh, 
the Ixnay and over to WWE. And I did not even know Goldust came out and I didn't know that that was him forever. I mean, it took me a really long time to, and then whenever I found out that it was him, I was gobsmacked. Uh, and that first, that initial gold dust run is awesome. Fantastic. I mean, it, it is awesome. You want to talk character work, man. He goes from blonde hair, cowboy boots, you know, son of a son of a plumber to guy decked out in Hollywood majesty that wears a long haired wig to the ring that rubs himself that wants to sleep with Razor Ramon. Like it was, it was something else, man. We've and, all been there. Yep. 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 And, and, you know, he is, he has some dark times, right? Like the, uh, there was, there was the, that little, uh, the seven run that I'm sure he wants to forget in uh, WCW. Like, Hey, Dustin, Come to our company. We we want you to be a, a child predator. Could you <laughs> could you could you please? Um, and then uh, that from there into the that artist formerly known as um, Gold Dust stuff was. Look, dude, he was really fun to play with on uh, Raw's War or whatever the PlayStation game was at that time. Um, but he was he was something else that comes out as the New Year's baby and all that other jazz that he did. Uh, but then when he came back as, you know, regular dust, not artist formerly known as or whatever, um, he then settled himself into comedy. And it was so endearing the way that we talk about Miz is endearing is embracing himself as a geek. Right. Like he he's a funny guy. He's a very funny guy. And if he wasn't going to be getting pushed in the ring, he got himself on TV a lot, man. Yeah. Uh, and and so kudos for that. And then just like John said, all of a sudden. From that, from that run, you know, 15 years later, 16, 17 years later, uh, finds himself in a match against his brother on the pay-per-view that launches a brand new company. And, you know, they have a true five-star match, bled all over each other. You know, that was absolutely beautiful. Him and Cody team together then against um, the Young Bucks. Uh, and you know, that really, really started to launch that company and look his work whenever he was just, you know, Dustin Rhodes, that, uh, that, that five decades and still kicking or whatever that said, uh, there was plenty of matches on television in those early dynamites where he would come out and he would go for 10 minutes and it was great, you know, great 10 minutes of television. And the fact that he's one of the main people that's there, you know, working and training the young folk, it's awesome. It's a great redemption story. And the fact that we all had him right in the middle of the top 100 wrestlers of all time, and this dude's never held a world championship is pretty awesome. You know, it really, really says a lot about him and what he's done. Yes. A super respected guy by his by his peers and by fans and analysts whatever you want to call them just a, a guy that everybody seems to like man everybody seems to really like him in in, in respect his work for sure number 56 Dustin Rhodes uh i think it's it's one of those things where the expectations for him uh being the son of dusty um was interesting and um I don't know that he ever lived up to whatever hype there may have been, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't a very excellent uh, performer and professional wrestler. Um, he was a two-time U.S. champion in WCW, never a top guy there. Three-time uh, Intercontinental champion um, during the Attitude Era in WWE. 
which was probably his highlight, especially playing the character Goldust, um, because it was so boundary pushing and so different at the time, uh, being androgynous and sort of sexual and uh, potentially, you know, uh, boundary pushing in a time where that was not super socially acceptable. Um, and then there were some downtimes and some other stuff, but uh, I always have to give him credit because the match with Cody at um, Double or Nothing was what brought me back into professional wrestling. Uh, and it was just such a great story and such a great, you know, moment um, that, yeah, but his, his impact overall as a boundary pusher, um, I think is what solidifies him. All right. Coming in at 55 on the list with 156 votes. He came in on Andretti's list at 54, came in 44, when I say 44, 44, <laughs> came in among <laughs> Mongoose's list at 69. Nice. What kind of disgusting, despicable lack of respect. I came in at JC's list at 60, and he came in at my list at 77. And that is the total package Lex Luger. So, Dude, I freaking love Lex Luger, man. He, he's just... He's a guilty pleasure of mine because I know he's not the greatest worker in the ring. But when when I think about professional wrestling and what it's supposed to look like and just all the pageantry that goes around it, right? Um, and the fact that he was a uh, he played football at Penn State, dude. He played football for the Miami Hurricanes. He played he played you know semi professional football. He played for the freaking Packers. All this kind of stuff like that leading into his wrestling career to me is everything that professional wrestling really is. Right. And like, and that is that like the whole, the whole story of Luger and the fall from grace, right. With the, all the, the unfortunate stuff with Liz and then finding the Lord and climbing back up and trying to help people like that all to me is such a big story that there's probably going to end up being a, a Luger movie made at some point. I don't know who the hell's going to play him, but you know, maybe Zach Efron, the way he looks right now from that freaking iron claw movie. Okay. But um, like Luger dude, I, I just, I've always liked that guy, man. I loved him as a heel. He's awesome as a heel. I, I liked him even as, even as the baby face USA guy in, in WWE or WWF at that point. I mean, I loved him then too, but like, Look, you know, I don't want to I don't want to talk the whole time here, but dude, that match with Flair, dude. That Ric Flair uh Luger match is one of my favorite matches of all. And, and it's because of Flair. It's because of Flair. But Flair makes Luger look like he is freaking, you know, uh look looks like he's Okada in the ring, dude. <laughs> Moving around. So I mean, it's just it's just an unbelievable match. I I can't I can't say enough good stuff about Lex Luger, man. He's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, Lex Luger for me, he's one of those guys that like you don't even I, I didn't realize like how much of a player he was in Nitro. And when I went back and watched all those Nitros, I really realized like how big of a player he was and all that. And he was awesome in Nitro. Uh, and he was even I mean, he was great, too, as a narcissist in WWF. Um, and I really think that if you are a Lex Luger fan or you want to know more about Lex, you should absolutely check out that WWE biography that they did or the A&E stuff like that was an incredible watch. That was so well done. And I learned dude, a lot. It's, it's, it's one of the best things they've done, dude. It really, that, that Luger biopic is fantastic. 
Oh, so good. Um, and yeah, I, I just, the, the torture rack is one of the greatest finishers that you can think of. And one of the greatest physiques, I think, I mean, when you think of a pro wrestler, like that's exactly who you think of. Well, think, think about it. they bring him in for the WBF. The guy, the guy didn't wrestle for a year. They brought him in as a bodybuilder, man. I mean, how how crazy is that? Like, the whole that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like the whole story of Lex Luger, right? When you think about the whole story of that guy, man, he re- it really is a total package. It's a total package of professional wrestling. That guy's whole that guy's life story is the total package of professional wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I love the the narcissist is. I, I remember just being absolutely floored whenever he debuted in WWE because I didn't, I I don't, I don't re- remember. And I know that he's on WrestleMania eight because of whenever we rewatched all the WrestleManias um, and I, by not one ounce of me knew that happened, that he was at WrestleMania eight whenever I was, you know, whatever, eight years old. Um, and I remember when he debuted at the Royal Rumble, I was just over the moon because, you know, him and Sting were great. The dudes with attitudes, two-pack, all in every single hills and um, uh, department store that you ever could think of. You would find that dudes with attitudes, two-pack. Uh, it's an epic, epic two-pack. You're talking um, about the Galoobs? Yep. Dude, yep, I yep. bought all the, you know where I bought all my Galoobs, Mongoose is at Value City, dude. I bought all those freaking Galoobs at Value City. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, but that, that that thing was everywhere, man. That that two pack with that dudes with attitudes with him and Sting, um, and those figures were great. Uh, they, you know, they they were very for Lex just having on trunks and boots. He looks awesome. Um, and then he debuts as the narcissist, and there's that whole thing with his uh, with he has the plate in his arm, and I'm freaking out, screaming at the television. Why can't we just get justice in this company? Um, and then he has his he has his face turn and i was so all in on lex express man i know that it was a business you know big business disaster uh but i had an america windsuit that i would wear to school uh because lex did do you know what i mean like when lex slammed yokozuna it it was one of those like man making moments for me like i loved it so much and then when he didn't win the title i was destroyed and i figured that he'd win at mania and then, you know, by that time, you know, went to Brett. And for me, uh, that sort of was one of the things where contemporarily, like, it, it, like at that time, it sort of ruined the Bret Hart feel for me is that I wanted Lex, not Brett. You know, when they both went over the top, I was a Lex guy. And obviously, Brett was the right call, right? He was the right move. But Lex not getting that title soured me a little bit on Brett without me like you know just being sort of I don't know like jealous for Lex I guess you could say uh and then he sort of you know faded away came back Allied Powers was a great tag team and then what what happened you know I was I was thinking about them the other day what what happened with that that they pulled they they pulled the plug on that so early I am I'm not sure but but it times out close with um Luger's contract just expired and they didn't know that. And he was the first big coup. He showed up on the first nitro, you know, and that's a, that's a huge, huge thing. Yeah. I think, I think that he was, and I I might have the timelines a little bit messed up, but I think he was working with that tag team and wasn't on a deal was just getting paid nightly by the house. And then, you know, with, with all the moves and shaking that 
that uh, Turner was doing for Nitro. They got him to hop over the first day. You know, that was a really, really big deal. And that was a big get. And the other thing, John, you said about Nitro, the Nitro run, you know, people, people forget this dude beat Hulk Hogan for the, for the world championship, like on television. Literally no one did that back then. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, he was, he was something else. He really was. Uh, And then I got a chance to go back then um, and you know, this is whenever I was still a, still a baby boy, but wasn't watching live. But I remember going to the video store and getting all those like Super Brawl and all those other uh, paper. That, what was it? Super Brawl with him and Sting? Is that the one where he lost to Sting? Yeah. While you're looking for that, Andretti, I'll run over his accolades here. He uh, he won. He was most improved wrestler for the Observer in '89. Uh, um, he was obviously WCW World Heavyweight Champion two times, uh, World Television Champion two times, United States Heavyweight Championship five times, Tag Team Champion, uh, big, big, big in NWA and WCW. In that Royal Rumble too, man. That The Royal Rumble where he, he was... The, he yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mongo won the Royal Rumble with Brett in 94. Super Brawl 92, Luger Sting. Nice. And and also, and I don't, I wish I, I should have looked this up before we talked about it. Sorry, adoring fans. Uh, but, you know, the reason that he went to the WBF was Vince, like, gimmicked a, a way to get him out of his WCW deal. Where, like, Vince, like, stole him. And he wasn't going to wrestle for Vince, but Vince was still paying him. And then he was going to wrestle. Like, it was a really, really, like interesting shady connivy kind of move to to because lex essentially like <laughs> retired from wcw you know what i mean and he wasn't wrestling so there was no breach of contract right. he was just flexing insane luger is a guy who just you look at him and you think man a, 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 an instant vince top guy just a trillion dollar look you know uh, and he had the credentials, especially in WCW. He was two-time heavyweight champion. He beat Hogan before Sting did uh, during the NWO run. Dropped it right back, but he he was clearly thought well enough. Five-time U.S. champion. Top guy for WWF in his run. He never won a title, but he was, you know, the big baby face, uh, especially against Yokozuna. Looked like a trillion dollars. He was supposed to be the next Hogan after Hogan was done. Um, and I think overall, if you look at him, he just, he looked like a top guy, but he never felt like a top guy. Um, and I don't know if it was just because he was limited in the ring as to what he could do. His promo skills were what they were. I mean, okay, but not the best. Um, but I mean, you couldn't deny the look and he was around the top guy scene for a good long time. Yeah, that is uh, Lex Luger on the list. And uh, coming in at 54 with 157 votes, uh, he was on Andretti's list at 96. He was on Mongoose's list at 62. He was on JC's at 53 and mine at 36. And that is Owen Hart. So let me, I want to say something real quick about, about this because... I did not have Nakamura or Osprey on my list, but I had Owen Hart at 96, okay? And the reason why I did that was because I didn't want to have too much recency bias with what I was doing in my rankings. 
Um, now, are Nakamura and Osprey more deserving than Owen Hart? I would say probably yes. They they both probably are. But as I said, I think even in the first show that we did, I put more emphasis on historical figures than what I did on people that were working right at this second. So that's probably why I had um, I had Owen at ninety six and didn't have Osprey or Nakamura in mind. But um, that's you know you guys can take it from there and start off. But I, I just wanted to give a little a little cl- uh, disclaimer there about why that why that yeah was. no I definitely agree that that's it, the the historical significance of Owen Hart is is one of the biggest reasons why I put him in there. He's in one of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time with Brett at WrestleMania ten. Um, and, and super decorated in WWF, very tragic, um, end for him. And, you know, he, he needs to be, for me, he needs to be remembered and he is being remembered, especially with the Owen cup and all that. So, um, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he is one of the, one of the best 100 to ever do it. I got him. He's, he's a, one of my favorite feuds with two of the best wrestlers of my favorite era of wrestling in my life is him and Brett and him and Sean that Brett, when he kicked Brett's leg out of his leg uh, with that spit hanging from his mouth, cutting that promo. um, Oh my gosh. I, I remember being so excited that him and Brett were going to tag together after the, the dissension at the survivor series and they were going to beat the Quebecers and you know this is going to be awesome like i can't wait to see this blah 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 and it was a heck of a turn and you know they have one of the best mania openers ever um the cage match for that being like a six and a half foot cage uh those two worked it up down left and right like that's an awesome awesome blow off in that SummerSlam match and then owen and sean when he gave sean that insecurity and i thought that he, you know, took Sean away from me forever. Uh, dude, I was gutted. Um, and it was, it, it, Owen was the perfect guy for that, right? Because he came off big time as this ruthless sort of relentless, like little brother complex, right? And so he was going to do whatever it had to do, even if that meant, you know, kicking your leg out from your leg or kicking your head right off of your head. Um, and so he was great. Uh Please let us not forget about the um, tag team run with Yokozuna. Uh, oh, I know yeah. that this I know oh, this yeah. is a singles thing, but that was an incredible tag team. Again, we had Brett and or excuse me, we had Sean and Diesel, two dudes with attitudes against um, Yoko and Owen for the uh, for the um, triple threat match for the first ever triple threat match of that in your house. Owen didn't work it until the very end. He ran in and got pinned, but you know, that was still that tag team. I was very, very much looking forward and into that feud. Um, And then when dude, Owen was a member of the nation of domination. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, like, like this was great, man. It was gr- enough is enough and it's time for a change. And I'm going to join this militant it's black incredible. group. I, it is. It is. I, I didn't. I, you know, you guys know me. I do not like Jeff Jarrett. Never have liked Jeff Jarrett. I respect I Jeff, Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett. Yeah. And I respect Jeff Jarrett a lot. Um, probably the only point of his career that I would, you know, sort of turn my nose at would be his uh, buddy run with Jeff Jarrett. 
Dude, they were awesome. That was a good I, tag team. So, so was the tag team with Coco and the tag team with the Anvil. Oh, All the tag well, teams were good. Well, Coco and the Anvils, without question. Yeah, that that's that that tag team with Coco, so great, man. Um, high energy. I love it. But yeah, and then and then for him to for him to you know, we find out that he's a big time, you know, babyface clown behind the scenes and everybody loved him. And we get to see a piece of that as he embraced the blue blazer gimmick. He had no problem doing the Pratt falls and all the other stuff, you know, looking like a goober. Um, and then obviously the, the meets his tragic demise. And yes, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that not only is he on the list, but he's up this high. Well-deserving. Yeah, he won the uh, best uh, best flying wrestler in 87 and 88, feud of the year in 97 with the Hart Foundation and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, he was a European champion in WWF, Intercontinental, two-time Intercontinental champion, four-time uh, tag team champion, as we mentioned, uh, King of the Ring in 1994, uh, Slammy, big-time Slammy Award winner, uh, just a lot of Stampede Wrestling Championships, too. So uh, very somebody who career cut short, but you know, somebody who will live on forever. I uh, do. I love, I, I love that guy. He was one of my favorite wrestlers. When I was a kid at one point. Owen Hart was my favorite wrestler when I was a kid, like probably, you know, that early, that early 90s stuff when he was uh, just coming into a, into a singles run under his, under his own name. Um, dude. And I love the, the black heart stuff with him and Brad. I mean, it was what, I mean, what a, what a tragic, what a tragic story it is, but I mean, they, they, it seemed like there for a minute, they were pushing him to be a possible world champ, you know, coming out of that, coming out of that feud. Um, it's a shame, man, really a shame, but it's hard to find anybody that that'll say a, a negative word about Owen. I mean, you know, prankster backstage, you know, lovable guy, everybody seemed to really like and, and enjoy being around. It's just, it's one of those people that if you could just go back and, and hang out with a wrestler, who, who would you want to hang out with and have a good time with? I mean, you would think Owen Hart would probably be really, really near the top of that list. Yeah, we said all that stuff, and I, I completely passed over. I, I just, I was so focused on the Brett and Sean stuff. That Owen three sixteen says, "I just broke your neck." Sure, you know, and which it's a shame that, like, you know, that that there was actually like, you know, some heat there or whatever that that came because obviously no one wants to botch a spot, and especially no one wants to think that they're paralyzed, but. For Owen to be the guy then that wears the shirt that says Owen three sixteen, and I just broke your neck on the back. Perfect, man. Like it fit him perfect. That's great stuff. Yeah, was. Owen's an interesting case of what could have been. Um, he's an amazing worker, a really good talker. He won the Intercontinental and European Championship um, with WWE. Uh, he was there during the Attitude Era, the uh, New Gen Era. Uh, absolutely loved by his peers. I don't. I think had he been able to be around longer, he might have gotten a shot at the big time. Um, although in in that era, it wasn't really about work. And man, he could work. I think he was every bit as good a worker as Brett. And I actually prefer his promos quite a bit to um, his brothers. So um, yeah, man, it's uh, in, in my going back and watching the new gen era and getting to watch him work, man, he was a really special performer. Uh, charisma, just he had a presence about him. Um, man, it was he was he was excellent to watch, and it's it's a shame that his life was cut short the way that it was. Um, 
because we would have gotten many more years out of him. And I don't think he would have been bitter the way Brett is. And I think he would still be in the business and trying to contribute today, at least in some way. Um, so it's a shame that um, he, you know, died so young. Um, but I would have liked to see him get a shot at the big time. But yeah, his in-ring work, his ability to talk um, was just, he was excellent. He was a standout even when he was mid-card, so. So, all right, coming in at number 53 with 157 votes. He was on all four of our lists. Again, he was on Andretti's list at 74, Mongoose's list at 55, JC's list at 50, and my list at 68, and that is Samoa Joe. And I, I, my, my introduction to Samoa Joe is, again, with NXT, I was completely unaware of all of that. Uh, ROH stuff, but a guy that is still incredibly believable today, uh, somebody who is still like getting after it today, can still go, is doing maybe some of his best work that he's ever done today. I uh, think he is, actually. I think I think you're right. He's doing his best stuff he's ever done right now. Yeah, and somebody who you know has done a lot in this business and still has a lot more to give and you know, really happy that Samoa Joe made it on the list. Joe, yeah, I... Go ahead, Marcus. Okay. Um, so for me, mine was so by the time that I started watching NXT with with our 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 beautiful co-host here, uh I Joe was gone. So I did not get to see Joe's run in real time. Um, and I watched a whole lot of Joe and Finn Balor uh, you know, post happening. And God, is it great. And when they brought him up, uh, he had one one little run that I thought was, and I think that it really, really sort of gutted his his fan base was, if you guys remember the uh, the little title program he had with Brock, where Joe was actually being presented as this, you know, killer. And here we go. We have these two mastodons that are going to be facing off. And then, you know, Brock just beats him with an F5. Believe it or not, as many times as we name drop it, that might have been a great balls of fire. That actually might have been a great balls of fire main event. So it was, yeah, it was Brock and Joe 2017. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yep. And, and so, and what sucked was that that was when they were doing the thing where they were building up Brock and Roman and Roman was supposed to be the one that kicks out of the F5 because everybody that Brock faced was done with one F5. And unfortunately, Joe was one of those people. So he had a really, really nice run uh, or a really, really nice build to it, ready to go. Fans were all into it. And then he's you know done with an F5. And that sort of extinguished his fire for a little bit. Um, and then for him to sort of flounder you know it was a shame that he was he had his nxt gm kind of wrestling kind of um fired twice and then he gets brought on to aew and for as many people as they brought into that company that were basically looking for somewhere to work until the wwe called him again he's not one of those man like he went there with something to prove and has continued to do it him getting that uh, TV title, that ROH TV title, I sort of thought was, you know, just charity at the time, whenever he won it. And he's turned himself into a legitimate main event guy. Uh, he's great. He's he's absolutely great. Um, you can, if you're looking for a match to get, check out that's really good with him from the ROH days, that match with him 
and Kenta Kobashi is on YouTube and you can get it with Rickabani doing um retroactive commentary on top of it, which is really, really interesting. But you know, that um that Lesnar Samoa Joe thing, man, has always left a bad taste in my mouth. And and I think that they just they just treated him the same way they treated, you know, a lot of other guys that came over that were that were stars in other places. I mean, you know, Vince just brought that guy in, a guy that was everybody loved from Ring of Honor and everybody loved from that TNA run, and they and they fed him to fed him to Lesnar. They should Samoa Joe should have beat Brock Lesnar in that match. And I, I firmly believe that, and I think they really screwed that up for him. At the very least, man. He's a star, then, man. That guy's a freaking star, and he's one of the most believable guys in the last 25 years. Yeah, and, and at the very least, it, it couldn't have been just a 1F5 and you're done. That was that was it. It's just like, uh Stupid. Yeah. And then some accolades here. He was NXT champion three times, uh, U.S. champion two times, and he was – uh, he won the Dusty Rhodes uh, Tag Team Classic with Finn back in 2015, and an enormous amount of stuff in TNA that we don't have to like overly get into. But he was best brawler in 05 and 06 in the Observer, most outstanding wrestler in 05 in the Observer, and also match of the year in 05 with Kabashi. In my honest opinion, they should put that belt in AEW on Samoa Joe at the end of the year, at the end of this month, and then let him hold that belt until until Wembley. Because here, because here's the thing, if You've already got precedent now with with Cole and MJF, um, you know, wrestling at Wembley together, correct? So why not? You don't have to have the belt on the line in that match anymore, right? So if you run that as one of the matches, you can have the world heavyweight title match be something else. And it should be Osprey and Joe, man. Those are those are two of the most physical guys that are out there right now. Let those guys kill each other in the main event at Wembley. That's a freaking unbelievable match. Yeah. Yeah. That my my turn on that, my fantasy, my only fantasy booking change on that would have been um that I would have that if Joe could beat MJF and then uh I I you know selfishly would like to see Kenny beat Joe and then Osprey win the best of the three matches uh by beating Kenny just because that'll be you know it, it would be insane but Joe would be awesome Joe it's it's not like you would be you know suffering having having Joe there rather than him and Joe would be great because Osprey is going to be a huge 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 baby face and Joe can be a rotten rotten dirty heel you know like he's he's awesome he's all he's really he really is great yeah Samoa Joe is one of those, you know, era-defining stars outside of the WWE bubble. I mean, he was so important to Ring of Honor and TNA, and was, you know, a top guy in those air in those uh, promotions, and meant so much to them. Um, the feud with Punk, I mean, they resurrected it twenty years later, and made it one of the feature matches at uh, All In Wembley. Um, so he just hugely important figure showed that, you know, some of those non-traditional WWE folks can still make it in WWE. Now he never got an opportunity under the McMahon regime. Um, I think if it a couple years younger in today's WWE, he might've gotten a shot to be an even bigger deal. Um, maybe even a shot with one of the titles. Um, but he was an ROH world champion, TV champion, TNA champion, NXT champion. 
Uh, and then even today, he's getting the push he probably deserves um, being in the title picture around MJF and sort of getting his flowers that way um, and being a top guy there. And he is portrayed as the absolute menace and big bad that he is. So, All right. The last two of the day we got coming in at number 52 with 158 votes. He was on Andretti's list at 97. Uh, Mongoose's list at 61, JC's list at 47, and mine at 41, and that is Ravishing Rick Rude. What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, ugly, my 42, yappers, keep the noise down Uh while I take my robe off and show the ladies the sexiest man on God's green earth. Hit the music. And Rick Rude is somebody who I instantly think, instantly think of as Intercontinental Champion. And the first thing that comes to my mind is airbrush pants. We already talked about this. Anybody that wears airbrush pants, you instantly got, you moved up 10 spots on my list. That's just the way that it is. Um, and the, the way that he had, like, the, the airbrush with uh, the face on him, like, that is just next level heel work. And the fact that, he, you know, he was on Raw one night when they did the taping or one week on the taping, then it aired simultaneously simultaneously while he was on a live nitro. Some of the stuff that he did like that and, and being a lackey, even though that that's not really like what we're here for we're here for like the in-ring work. Like that's, that's some of the most iconic stuff that had happened during that time. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, some, some people like in my era don't really remember him as the wrestler, but if you go back and watch some of that early, uh, 90s, late 80s stuff like it's some of the best work that you're gonna find, dude. He has the best physique ever. Yes, I know. I know you're gonna disagree with that because you're a a big Randy Randy Orton mark right now. But <laughs> Rick Rude, Rick Rude has the best physique of, uh, ever. His his waist his waist was ballerina small. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like it was it was absolutely incredible. Go ahead, Andretti. You know, they always talk about, I, I, I'm sure you remember, you guys remember this, but when we were kids, um, do you, uh, Baker, you might be too young for this, but uh, Mongoose, do you remember how when, when people used to talk about grip strength? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we were kids, like how important it was to have grip strength, right? And yeah. um, I had the Rick, things, Rick Rude, I, had the, I, I had the things in my house all the time. Dude, Rick Rude had like, had like legendary grip strength, I think, <laughs> amongst the, uh, amongst the other, uh, the wrestlers. And what, I think my favorite, my favorite Rick Rude story is whenever he threatened to kill Ric Flair and was chasing Flair around the uh, the arena and, and just kept kept walking up behind him and telling him he was going to fucking kill him. That that's that's one of my favorite stories ever with Rick Rude. The the, the, the Flair and Flair just kept running away. There's the something to wrestle with on him, and this is way bad. It's probably 2017, 2018-ish is excellent uh the pritchard tells some monumental rude tales one of which i do believe involves him directly injecting uh erectile medication into his member yes um yeah so there's 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 some wild stuff out there uh john you said about the airbrush pants um this dude airbrushed Jake Roberts' wife's face onto his tights. Yeah, it's incredible. It's insanity. That just happened. Like I saw that on like back in this day. That would just happen like just recently, like this week. It's, it's, it's 
so with with Rick, the other thing I think of the pants right away. I do. Um, I then go to the Dangerous Alliance, as we talked about before. And uh, dude, when him and Flair start the feud on that uh, Flair for the gold, yeah. and then and then he wins the title, and then uh, Rude and Steamboat. John, if you have not yet, you need to do yourself a favor. I think it's like Beach Blast 93 or Beach Blast 94. Those two have a heck of a match. Like they, uh, Rude and Steamboat is a great, great early 90s WCW title feud. Um, there's the stuff with the Warrior, obviously, where he's the first person to beat the Warrior. Uh, and then, you know, he's his, the Warrior's first big feud after the Warrior wins the title, obviously, because you know that you can trust Rick Rude to make the warrior look as good as possible. Um, this guy, he is, he's an all timer. He's somebody that not everybody knows, but enough people know, right? Like yeah, you, Beach you, Blast 92. Oh gosh. Yeah. I got to check that out. It's freaking uh, great, dude. It's freaking Like I, I, I remember him showing up in WCW after being a big star in WWF and I freaking marked out to the moon as a as a a young a young lad, whenever uh, Rude jumped ship, and I knew he was going to get pushed right away to the top, and he did, and it was freaking awesome. Yeah, it's good that you mentioned 1992 because he won Best Heel in the Observer Newsletter in '92, and uh, and he also was the uh, Intercontinental Champion one time, Class of WWE Class of Hall, uh, Class of 2017 Hall of Fame, and uh, he won the 20 Man Royal Rumble in 1988. And U.S. Heavyweight title at WCW also. Yeah, he was WCW International World Heavyweight Champion three times, U.S. Heavyweight Champion one time. Yeah, but, awesome. But all right, we got our very last entrant today, and this is one that hey, I'm... Hey, one thing we got to say one more thing about Rick Rude. What? One more thing about Rick Rude we forgot to say. Um, the greatest LJN of all time, hands down, is the Rick Rude LJN. It, it, impossible to wrestle with to do anything with other than drop kick right actually he, yeah. he if, they, if they made that if they made that figure right now everybody would love it because everybody loves when people throw the forearms so it would be like the it would be perfect to have him in like uh ishii as an ljn that just forearm each other in the face the whole time yeah yeah, but yeah, yeah dude. it is it is it is an incredible pose it is, it, it is, it is, I'm taking my morning piss. <laughs> uh, Rick Rude's another interesting case where you would think he would have been pushed to the moon in WWE. He had a great look. He could talk. The character that he had there was over the top. And it, maybe it was a symptom of the Hulk Hogan era and he, that Rude was a better heel. Um, but I mean, you can't, you can't deny him. He was again, looked like a billion dollars, great, you know, gear to go with it. Good worker could talk great character. Definitely. The highlight was the WWF run with the IC title. Um, and then the, you can't mention him and not talk about him being on raw and nitro technically the same night. So Rick Rude, you know, an excellent, excellent talent, died a little young, uh, had injury problems, but, you know, under different circumstances could have and probably should have been a tippy top guy. But all right, our final entrant for the day. This is one I'm super excited to talk about. 
Uh, he it's number 51, 161 votes. Came in at Andretti's list at 94, Mongoose's list at 56, JC's at 53, and mine at 50. And that is none other than DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. Inhale, fist to hand. Get your shoulders over your hips. Feel it open up your knees here. Right forearm to the mat. Feel the bang! Self-high-five. We love you, Uncle Dally. You've elongated our spines. Uh, the mostest in here. I can't wait to hit a, hit a fat burner, and then you combine that with an energy. Uh, but w- what a story. How you start to build real strength. That's, it is exactly how you build it. Keep the flow going, baby. Uh, but I love Dally. He's so incredible. Uh, the fact that like this guy literally got into the business from doing radio spots and having the pink Cadillac for that WrestleMania that they used. So awesome, dude. It's so, so awesome. And then the fact that you know he didn't learn really how to wrestle. He was a big power plant guy, learned how to wrestle when he was 35 years old. And to have the career that he did, I mean, I'm sure it really helped that he w- became that he became really good close friends with Bischoff and lived right next door to him. So he could go over and pitch ideas to him all the time. Um, But it's really crazy that he really didn't find his footing until about 97. And then it was with the help of Randy Savage with that feud. And that's an incredible feud. So if you're looking for a longstanding feud, that great American bash match with uh, Dallas and uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage, I think it's 96 or 97. I'm pretty sure it's 97. That one is incredible. Watch. Um, and you know, when you're done with that, then you can go, you know, you can build your energy and do your fat burner and build your strength because we love DDP here on the, uh, here on the channel. We'd love for you to support us on the channel. If you're hearing this Dallas, so don't be afraid to uh, hit a brother up. You know, it was great with him when he was coming up too. I mean, it, it sure doesn't hurt when your wife is the hottest woman in the universe. At the uh, at that time, so I mean, I, my I, my one of my favorite memories of DDP from that WCW run was whenever he had to rent out his tights for money. Do you guys remember any of that? That was so freaking awesome. Yeah, that, was was that was that the was that whenever he was like Vegas Diamond Dallas Page? I think so. Yeah, like when whenever the like the downfall, whenever he would have lost Vinny Vegas and then lost the Diamond Stud. And then was he like down on his luck? Is that is that what I think that's what it was? Just, where I think that's what it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he talked so, about that in his in his DDP thing that that WWE did. So they they actually I didn't even I can't believe this. So he was he was uh, happy Corbin or whatever he was Corbin story arc before we had Baron Baron Corbin. Maybe he, they- he just ended he just ended up being a little bit more successful. Uh, dude, when when I think of Diamond Dallas Page, I think of him with his wrists or his ribs taped. Oh yeah, that, that, that that's that, that's. I feel like every Diamond Dallas Page match I've ever seen, which I know it's only like six of them, um, but he has his ribs taped. You know, yeah, just midsection injury. Um, excellent, excellent worker. Uh, do you want to know how good Diamond Dallas Page is? Watch the main event of Halloween Havoc, uh, nineteen ninety eight. And what, look at the match that he gets out of Bill Goldberg, dude. I was just going to say that 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 match with him and Goldberg is that is that Goldberg's best match? It has to be. Yeah, it, I think it might it was, be, dude. As, as a, and the as fact a, that there's a match, absolutely. And yeah. the, that the people bought the show didn't even see it because of the, oh, the man. timing, like and insanity. The fact that they ran it the, the next night for free on Nitro, but 
by far Goldberg's best match came out of Dallas. Yeah, Page Page went to work that night, man. What a, I mean, what a what a hell of an accomplishment to have a have a a phenomenal match with a guy that did just didn't have you know didn't have the in ring ability that a lot of other people did. And the fact that the fact that they let DDP go that long and have a real wrestling match with him, it's a te- it's a testament to him, man. That's re- it's, it's a vote of confidence to that guy I mean, and how good he was at that point to let him do that, and they let him do it. It was great. Also of note here, too, is that Dallas and I are best friends uh, because I saw him at the NXT show in LA <laughs> for WrestleMania, gave him the big diamond cutter, and he gave it back. So we are now officially. That was, still, that was really funny when that, when that happened. So, yes, Dally, if you're listening, that was me, uh, and we would love to have you uh, on the show and or sponsor. Uh, also, Diamond Dallas Page uh, teamed with uh, Carl Malone. Top Carl Malone, the diamond cutter. My God. And uh also uh he was he was the he was the guy with the Jay Leno thing too, right? Absolutely. Is he the baby face with the Jay Leno one? Oh yeah. yeah okay, okay, yeah. So uh, what a wow. What a guy. I'm still trying to figure out why Carl Malone diamond cuttered the referee at the end of that match for no reason. Just- I don't know. We did watch we just did watch that match earlier in the summer together here on the channel so if you want to go back to the uh the summer bash head on head on back to the archives that is a long show but we watched that in long form God. Uh, <laughs> but uh dallas yeah he had best wrestling maneuver with the diamond cutter in 97 and the observer awards most improved in 1996 and he was a wwf european champion and you know we don't need to talk about his wwf run because you know that whole the whole stalker gimmick was not great, but well, he did. Honest, he held. He did have a belt. He had a singles belt, the European title. Yeah, right? and I'll, he stalked Sarah Undertaker. Yep. God. Yeah. <laughs> We've uh, all been there, I guess. Right. I had her at one hundred and two on my list. <laughs> uh, he is a Hall of Fame member of twenty seventeen. Uh, he was world heavyweight champion three times in WCW, television champion one time, two-time U.S. heavyweight, two-time, two-time uh, U.S. heavyweight champion. Um, I mean, the one of the guys that is still doing work for the business to this day, bringing back a lot of those old guys, especially keeping them in the accountability crib and all that. Like, hats off to Dally. He's he's done more. He's done incredible things in his lifetime, and he's done more outside of the ring than he has inside the ring. Yeah, and and let, let us not forget this dude was at the uh, first all in. He was he was there? You know he was, and and he seconded Cody in a couple of different matches. Oh, whenever he came down at that Pittsburgh show, that was insanity. Pop to the moon for that. Diamond Dallas Page, uh, probably one of the great wrestling success stories uh, during his time and even after his time in the ring. Um, you know, he, he was a manager of, or a valet, whatever you want to call, I guess you would call him a manager. Uh, for a while, he ended up finally getting into the ring and training in his 30s and getting into it. Uh, I think Bischoff has described him as a walking gimmick during those early years in, in WCW where he just didn't know what he was going to be, and he tried everything under the sun. Um, and then it was those matches with Savage and that feud with him um when he was in the nw when savage was in the nwo that really springboarded him into the mainstream success that he ended up having getting the diamond cutter over and being that huge baby face um he was a three-time world champion and two-time u.s champ uh with wcw 
Um, he, but they really just misused him in the WWE. They didn't, I don't know. I don't know if they didn't know what to do with him. They just didn't think he would be a top guy, you know, in their context, whatever. I know they programmed him with Undertaker and obviously that means something in that bubble, but it was a weird story and he wasn't a baby face. And uh, I don't know. It just, it didn't seem to hit, but what I think should also be contributing to his legacy is what he does today, where he helps um, rehabilitate people um, and get their lives back on track. And the DDP yoga thing, which uh, helps a lot of people, you know, wrestling or non-wrestling related. Um, Yeah, I think, I think that all contributes to his legacy. And part of the reason he, you know, he's on this list. But all right, well, that is 60 or yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> that is uh 60 through 51 today and uh we're going to keep rolling here. We got the holiday award show coming up and we also have a double feature with Andretti uh, after dark here as well that we're going to do and uh super excited about that. So uh just make sure you download, rate, review and subscribe. Hit us up on socials at the underscore podski and uh the toast of the coast that's where you can find Andretti on Instagram and you won't find Mongoose on, on the interwebs because uh, he won't, he won't do it. So uh, with that, we will see you next time on the pod ski book of the year. Second job.